Beautiful humans, welcome back to another episode of the I Like Birds podcast. I'm your host, Zach Rippy, and this podcast is dedicated to the non-believers, the confused believers, and the true believers. Because I, at one time or another, was all three, and I'm here to help you get a better understanding of who Jesus is and what he's all about. Let's grow in our faith together. You learn as I learn. I like the Bible, and I like words, so therefore, I like birds. Let's start the show. People, are you ready? My friends, my listeners, my supporters, my birdhouse members, welcome back to the show. I appreciate you being here as always. I'm in a great mood tonight. Uh, I just started semester two of my Bible school and I'm getting deep in the books back again, baby. Uh, And you know, it's so crazy. I got like three, no, four books to read this semester and I'm still, I'm still kind of locked into this one that Joe sent me. Uh, Truly love it so far. And it just really just broadens your perspective on the whole Bible. So I, I'm going to keep reading this while I'm also reading some other books. So uh, we're in part two of the series called uh, The Fall of Lucifer. We're basically discussing who uh, Satan was before he was a fallen angel, what happens when he fell, and what happened when he basically uh, deceived Adam and Eve in the garden. It's so educational. It's, it's going to broaden your perspective a lot. Uh, definitely listen from the... If you haven't listened to the other one, go check that one out. Uh, I don't think you have to listen in order, but it'd probably help. Um, and this one is just going to be very impactful, very educational, and we're just going to have some fun with it. Uh, let's start off by saying this, man. Let's start off by saying this. I wrote a little, a little thing I want to share with you guys, and then we'll get right into the book because it's phenomenal. So here we go. Uh, dude, where can I say, how can I say this? Life is so good, right? And if someone out there right now that's listening to this is actually struggling right now or going through some depression, I got the best news ever. You hear this a lot, but I want to explain it and testify to it. When you're focusing on God, that's the most healthy thing you can do in your entire life. Life is so good when you're learning about God, thinking about God, and even talking about God. He is an endless mystery, but one that we get to know in a way that we don't really deserve. We have the Bible, we have so many different spiritual leaders, we have prophecy, we have so many ways to know God. And we as humans crossed and disrespected our creator over the centuries and even the years in our own personal lives before we knew him. Yet his grace and his mercy and his love lets us know him and connect with him every day, which is so dope. And there's something I will one day write about in my book, but I'll touch on it here uh, right now. And I was just thinking about it. I think it was it was this moment I had with Olivier and George. We were talking uh, in Florida. And I just realized, that, man, there's just so much pain and hurt in this world that there's no way on earth that we are here for any other reason than to glorify, love, and worship God. And this is not where it ends. This place is not where it ends. You can't believe that. We have to have eternal life. And God and Jesus promised us that, which is great. And that pressing down, right? That pressing down feeling on my soul when I f- that I feel when I'm listening to worship music at church or that warm feeling of his presence when I'm upset about something or that mind-blowing moment when you read something about him and you just go, whoa, he is the realist. What was I worried about again? I got the spirit of Christ in me. I have the protection. I have the love. I have the blessings from God not only now but in the past and the ones that are also coming to me. Ooh, life is good. I have eternal life. I believe in Christ and now I am saved, not just in this life, but the next one. And I say this one too, because 
once you go all in on God, you really gain so much of life that you really never knew about. He opens your eyes to things you've never really thought about before. He opens your heart to things you didn't receive well before. He softens you. He he helps you surrender to him and just kind of give your life to him. And I, I just, me, me personally speaking, I just look at my whole world differently. My lens is different. My thoughts are different. My priorities are definitely different. And I aim at what God is aiming at for me rather than what I'm aiming at for me, if that makes sense. Like I'm chasing what he wants for me, not just what I want for me. You know, of course your boy wants to. Uh, hit some goals, personal goals, you know, but uh, I got to pray that's in his will and we're good. So I was excited to tell you guys that because a lot of people still going through a tough time out there. And even myself, I struggle with uh, sometimes getting in the dumps, but you got to pull yourself out of it. And I think getting in the word helps you do that. I think putting on some worship music and just realizing, yo, what am I even doing right now? What am I, what am I upset about? I got God, right? And if you're depressed, yo, Get in the ring with God. Sit down, open the book, find out some cool stuff about the creator. You mean to tell me if you open up the word, you're not going to find something in there that you're just going to go, whoa, I never even thought of it like that. His word is so underrated. Dude, the Bible is so underrated. How many people are talking about the Bible right now? Not that many, but it's, it's pretty incredible. It was actually, I learned this recently. Uh, I think yesterday, actually, that the Bible was the first thing ever put onto the internet. Did y'all know that? Isn't that crazy? I think the enemy has tainted our minds about the Bible, too. Like, we see it as a joke or not that serious because of who we used to be and our old perception of what the Bible was. You know, I still struggle with that, too. You know, I'm still like, I still have my perceived notions about the Bible, even though I fell in love with it. And I'm like madly in love with it right now, right? And yeah, I've fallen in love with the book more than anything else in my life, but I still have those moments of like the enemy creeping in and being like, oh, you know, oh, it's been translated how many times? You know, those still little, little voices of doubt, but the word speaks back to your soul, man. I told you guys, I told you guys many times on the show, it's the only book that ever speaks back to you. And I hesitate to get into it sometimes. I get to open it up because it's so deep and I just want to stay in it once I'm in it. It's like a little vacation. Like, I don't want to leave it. I feel good. I'm, I'm in it. I'm thinking about stuff I don't think about. I'm learning stuff. I'm, my, my, my soul feels good. You know, the spirit is there. It's present. And man, I need absolute time, 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 time to get in deep with the father. And this book I've been reading, I've been telling you guys, has been expanding my mind because it has the perspective I think we all need to have. It gives you an understanding of who God was even before he made mankind. And what I'm about to read you guys today is mind-blowing, and I can't wait to talk to you guys about it as we read it. All right, so this is one episode that's going to be a little bit different than the most. Uh, I'm just going to kind of read what I think you guys need to hear and what just was fascinating to me, and we're going to talk about it like throughout. So here we go. All right, so we're going to be talking about Lucifer's fall. In the previous episode, we talked about who Lucifer was uh, before he was a fallen angel. All right, so we're going to talk about a little bit here again. Then we're going to get right into his fall. All right. So being in God's presence and reflecting his glorious light through the stones of his dazzling apparel, Lucifer was exactly what his name in Isaiah 14, 12 indicates. Bright and shining one. Remember, he was made into perfection, total wisdom. He was in control of the of the guard of the of the throne. He was made with great musical ability. All right. Lucifer displayed and unveiled brightness of God's glory. Ezekiel 28, 15. Uh, states that the source of Lucifer's rebellion was his pride. 
What do we all struggle with when it comes to uh, submitting to God and following Christ and turning away from sin? Pride, right? Lucifer's rebellion was his pride stemming from his splendor and beauty that he had. Remember, God gave him that splendor. God gave him that beauty. God gave him that wisdom. But he thought he was the man because he had these things, right? And then it says, let me read Ezekiel 28, 15 for you. It says, you were blameless in your ways from the day you were created until unrighteousness was found in you. By the abundance of your trade, you were initially filled with violence and you sinned. Therefore, I have cast you as profane from the mountain of God and I have destroyed you. O covering angel from the midst of the stones of fire, your heart was lifted up because of your beauty and you corrupted your wisdom by reason of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I put you before kings and they may see you by the multitude of your iniquities in the unrighteousness of your trade. You profaned your sanctuaries. Therefore, I have brought fire from the midst of you. It has consumed you and I have turned you to ashes on the earth in the eyes of all who see you. Ooh, God is a realist. All right, let's keep going. Uh, Lucifer's arrogance caused him to forget that he was merely a reflection of God's splendor. It is conceivable that some of the angelic realm, like the other angels per se, began to marvel at Lucifer's glory instead of God's glory. And perhaps Lucifer was not careful to humbly convey the glory to God. He wasn't like, yo, angels, I know you're looking at me, but, you know, I was made by him. You know, he, he wasn't doing that. He was taking all the clout, pretty much. He was a clout chaser. You know, like he probably post pics on the IG and try to get 100 likes or something like that. Like that's who Lucifer was up there, right? And perhaps he began to relish compliments and allowed, to, allowed them to uh, transmute into worship and his lust for power and glory only grew. So he was getting the compliments from the angels and he was like letting it get to his head. He got big headed and perhaps he began to require the homage and the reverence of the angels. Lucifer's God given authority went to his head. Uh, and it says that in first Timothy three, six and the first division of eternity began. Let's slow right there. Let's say that again. The first division of eternity began. The angelic realm became polarized. One side was holy and one side was rebel. God allowed free reign for the deception to take hold, revealing which angels would follow and which one would resist. Lucifer would have needed considerable time to influence the host of fallen angels to turn from God as he mounted his rebellion through the abundance of his trade and the multiplication of his inequity. Listen to this. Working through this angelic scenario in eternity past, we can see how he would have had both time and opportunity to steal the allegiance of a third, one third of the angelic realm in his quest for glory, power, and worship. And it says that in Revelation 12, 4. The abuse of authority and lust for personal gain that fueled Lucifer's rebellion in eternity past are exactly the motivations that have fueled every abuse of power and authority on earth throughout mankind's messy history. As the, as the sins of Lucifer's trade began to multiply and his rebellious spirit began to infect the angelic host, God pronounced judgment, casting Lucifer down to earth and away from his presence, throne, and holy mountain. Okay, when it says that right there, let's, let's pause right there when it says that. So he casted Lucifer down to earth and away from his presence, throne, and holy mountain. And that really reminded me when I read that about, you know, just the concept of hell. You know... I think uh, the Bible, I don't really know as much about this as I should about what it describes hell as. I know it's like a, um, a burning lake, you know, with gnashings of teeth and just like a place you don't really want to be at, right? But to me, when I read that, what it said about 
casting Lucifer down to earth away from God's presence and his throne and his holy mountain. I think that the, the, the missing out and the, the separation from God is hell in itself. You know, if you can never be around God again, you can never be around that glory and that goodness and that eternal life of, of joy. That is hell. You know, when people say they're going through hell on earth, a lot of times they ain't right with God, you know? They don't know God. So I just thought that was very interesting, and I wanted to stop there to kind of talk about that. And let's let's go back up here a little bit, and it says that uh, the first division of eternity began. And it's just crazy to me, and we're going to learn a little bit about this later, is that God didn't only give mankind free will. Free will he gave angelic beings free will. Man, and then, you know, it started making me think, like, do you think that's the reason that mankind was created? Because the angels done, done dropped the ball, you know, one third of them, like, done left the kingdom and were trying to go against God. And God needed to create something else to have relationship with and see if we can do better than the angels can. We were made in his image and we were made in his uh, likeness. All right, let's go. Next chapter is called God's Judgment of Lucifer in Earth. The father had seen enough. Finally, when Lucifer returned to the throne of God one last time to feign worship, God put a stop to it. Lucifer was cast from God's throne to the earth in utter humiliation before the angelic majesties. Basically meaning like the other angels had to see God basically be like, yo, get out of the kingdom, you know? And God judged Lucifer's earthly domain by sending it literally into darkness, chaos, and deluge. The conditions described in Genesis 1-2 and Jeremiah 4, 23-28. How long the earth existed in this judged condition is impossible to tell, perhaps eons, which means super long time. <laughs> it says right here, God condemned Lucifer, removing his glory, honor, and authority. But his rebellious spirit did not stop when God cast him from his throne. Isaiah 14 records Lucifer's response to this judgment, a response known as his five I wills. In those declarations, Lucifer expresses his heart's intention to ascend to heaven, to raise his throne above the stars of God, to sit on the mount of the assembly in the recesses of the north, to ascend above the heights of the clouds, and to make himself like the Most High, a.k.a. God. It is central to note that God had already entrusted to Lucifer all but the fifth of these arrogant aspirations in his previous unfallen state. In the fifth I will, Lucifer uses the title God Most High, revealing his ambition to be like the sovereign God. Possessing or ruling over all creation, Lucifer saw all the dominion, power, glory, and honor that was God's. And Lucifer could have used any of the numerous names for God, but he chose this title because of his desperate desire for God's own sovereignty and glory. Because of Lucifer's arrogance, he was blinded to his own subordinate state as a creature and forgot that only the sovereign creator possesses all glory, honor, and dominion of creation. And you may ask yourself this. This is very important. God could have immediately executed the full sentence of his judgment and banished Lucifer and his angels to the eternal lake of fire right then and there. He would have been perfectly just in doing so. He could have just been like, nah, bro, just go to the lake right there. But on this point, Donald Barnhouse writes, there was no lack of power or opportunity. But if God had thus brought down the first enemy, he could never have created another mighty being like Lucifer with the freedom of choice. 
for there would have always been the possibility of another rebellion and the necessity for another repression. So remember, like I said earlier, guys, he gave angels the freedom of choice. He gave man the freedom of choice. He even gave Lucifer the freedom of choice. And from my understanding, he gave Jesus Christ the freedom of choice. And that's why Jesus Christ is king, because my, my dog came through. All right. He came through and did what the father wanted him to do. A perfect being. And we're brothers and sisters in Christ now. How crazy is that? The history of heaven would have then been dotted with a series of disasters. Instead, God pronounced judgment on Lucifer by calling him Satan or the devil. Uh, that's why we don't call him Lucifer anymore. And his angelic host while still allowing them to exist in a willful, open rebellion. It was, this, it was as if God were allowing Satan the opportunity to make good. You could have made good on his first five statements of intention. God devised a plan to demonstrate that his judgment on Satan was perfectly righteous and just, ending all future rebellions before they even began. He would use an inferior creature to demonstrate his justice forever. God then launched his plan for mankind, and the world we know began. So I, I guess I appreciate you, Lucifer, because without you, I would have never been here and gotten blessed with life and, you know, my, my wife and kids, you know, so I guess we could be grateful. I don't know, though. That might be for another discussion. Maybe we need to go deeper. All right, let's go to the next one. Time begins. God restores earth and creates man. Man falls. This one is interesting because it starts to get where we're, where we get in the picture, humanity. And as noted, the Genesis account of creation relates to mankind and contains no mention of the invisible spiritual realm's creation. The only indication of the existence of an invisible angelic kingdom is the presence of the serpent in the garden, which is uh, Genesis 3.1, and the presence of the angel sent to guard the way to the garden after the fall, uh, which, is, which is pretty cool. I, man, when I read Genesis, I went right on by that and didn't even, didn't even realize it said that. Uh, probably because it uses the word cher cherubim, cherubim, cherubim. Uh, it means angel. So there we go. However, evil obviously existed before Adam and Eve, which is crazy to think about, y'all. Evil existed before Adam and Eve, for there was a tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the garden. And by the time man was created, a satanic rebellion was in full swing, with man entering as a relative latecomer. We were late to the party. Evil and good already existed. And Genesis opens with God restoring the judged and the wrecked earthly domain, which I never realized until I, until I read this book. God established a new creature, man, in a miniature theocracy in the Garden of Eden. And theocracy basically just means, you know, living at one with God and being that's who's your governed. You know, that's who you answer to. It's all sovereign. It's all love. It's all goodness. So uh, a theocracy would be amazing right now. And I think that that's what our spirit kind of craves. I think that uh, even if you're not a full-on believer, even if you're, you know, you kind of crave just kind of being uh, operated by a higher being, you know, instead of by man, a.k.a. the government, especially in uh, California, New York, and Chicago, right? Can I get an amen? All right. The earth was perfectly restored with newly created, not evolved, human beings in six literal 24-hour days, Exodus 20, 9 through 11. In his new creation, God set man apart from the animal kingdom by creating him in his own image and giving humans the special privilege of fellowship and obedience to him. The animal kingdom received instincts. Man received free will with personal responsibility to his creator. The man and woman were given freedom's test. Ah, I love this part. 
The man and woman were given freedom's test, obedience or disobedience to God's word. Same way we're kind of given that. Adam was also given authority as the newly appointed viceroy over God's earthly creation. And Lucifer was displaced by this vastly inferior creature, Adam. Keep in mind, Lucifer had the garden. This new creature who was made from dirt, tied to the earth's surface by gravity and bound by time and space was blessed with God's own image and likeness. Adam's residence was in the newly restored Garden of God. The place and position once held by the mighty Lucifer. Ezekiel 28, 13 through 15. Words would be inadequate to describe the disdain, offense, and humiliation Satan must have felt as he observed this inferior creature exercising authority over his prior domain. Wow. Did you guys know that? I didn't know that. I'm be real. I didn't know that that used to be Satan's spot. <laughs> and now you see Adam walking around it like he owned the place because he did. He had complete dominion. That's why he was naming the animals. Until this point, the battleground was in the angelic realm. Up until this point. Then a third party. Hey, a dude <laughs> is the third party. Then a third party, apparently limited by the lack of empirical knowledge of the spirit realm's existence, entered a spiritual war. Did you guys hear that? Let's say it again. Limited. So basically, Adam was limited by the lack of empirical knowledge. He, was, he had no idea about the spiritual realm and the existence of it. All he knew was God. Unknowingly, he entered a spiritual war. Remember, Satan had already entered his challenge to reign supreme in God's universe, seeking all majesty, glory, power, and dominion for himself. God chose to meet that challenge through the weakness of a new creation made in the likeness of God. Man. Man. The rule of engagement, God and Satan would not superimpose their wills on man. I love this part. Listen, it says, so the rules of engagement of basically the spiritual war is that God and Satan would not superimpose their wills on man. Freedom of choice would be permitted for his new creation of mankind, just as that freedom was permitted in eternity past among the angels. The battleground, you might ask? Man's invisible soul. Let's pause there. Man's invisible soul, that's what was at stake. That's what the battleground was for. And what was the chief issue in the raging conflict? Would man submit his will to God or to Satan? Would humans act on the truth or the lie? Who truly deserved to have dominion, to be the most high? These questions echo in multiple Bible verses. I'll just name a few of them. In Genesis and Job and Ephesians and Peter and James and Revelation. Man, a free moral agent, measured in time-space history, would become the evidence demanding an eternal verdict of God's sovereign judgment over Lucifer and his fallen host. Before God provided the woman, Adam ruled and exercised authority over his domain by naming the animal kingdom. And how long? How long did this happen? How long did this continue? How long was, was, was Adam just living in the garden, you know, like doing the right thing? It could be months. It could be years. We don't really know. But the momentum Adam developed in his obedience and fellowship with the Lord was about to be tested as soon as you guys probably know what happens. But we're going to talk about it. Under the cover of the serpent. This is so interesting, guys. I put this on Facebook because I was so fascinated by it. Under the cover of the serpent, Satan sought the best opportunity to incite Adam to rebel against his creator, God. Satan worked through Adam's counterpart, the woman, 
to establish his own will and authority in God's new earthly theocracy. For Adam's sin, for excuse me, for Adam, sin would have been rebellion against God. Sin would also place Adam under Satan's dominion, thus creating for Satan a, a beachhead of authority on earth yet again. As the serpent lied to Eve, Adam could have intervened and prevented the satanic deception and rebellion from taking place because he had already exercised his God-given authority over the serpent in naming him. So you remember when Adam was naming the animals in the garden and, and that gave him authority over the serpent. So therefore, the devil could not deceive Adam because he was already you know below him. He had to deceive Eve for then to deceive Adam and that was like the play that he made, you know, so be careful in your life who you're listening to, because a lot of times the devil could be talking to one person and then that person gets in your ear. And next thing you know, working through that. So stay prayed up, y'all. That's all I'm saying. Stay prayed up, stay in the armor of God and you'll be good. All right. Instead, Adam watched passively as the serpent deceived Eve. The serpent was seeking authority and Adam gave it to him. Adam and the woman took the fruit and ate it of their own free will. Adam knew both the command and the consequence of disobedience, and his decision plunged the human race into sin, Romans 5.12. Adam was held personally responsible for sin, and he and his wife were, ju were judged immediately. Oh, I hate to say this, but that's the truth. Were judged immediately with spiritual death and ultimately with physical death. The seed, remember this, the seed of sin would be passed and planted vigorously through Adam into every one of his descendants, meaning us, and mankind would hereafter be born physically alive but spiritually dead, Romans 3.23, Ephesians 2.1, and a slave to the prince of darkness, Colossians 1.13. You heard it there, guys. Remember, we're always talking about sin is in our DNA, you know, and man, it's just crazy that. It's just crazy that how many people be turning on God like that, man, and just Satan, Satan be luring people away and lying to them, man. And it's happening to today. It's happening today, right now. The culture that we're living in. You think it's rent? You think, man? I'll tell you. I'll tell you this little side nugget right here. Uh, my church, man, is, is super, super spiritual, man, and like we go, we go hard, right? Uh, tell me how on youth night, a lot of people, a lot of the kids, students, uh, have been delivered from the demons that were in them, you know, to the point where like he dry heaving the demons out of them, thrown up in the corner, like the whole nine. Right. And like, dude, <laughs> like that is, is wild. The thing I've been, I'm really good friends with the youth pastor. And he told me that, uh, he told me that he's had students that have been levit have, been, have levitated. Like I, I can't even, I, it's, I struggled to say that out loud, but, seriously levitated while being delivered from the demons inside them so and he made a great point we were having breakfast he said man I never experienced anything like that before and it just it makes me realize man if it can happen to these teenage girls that are so pure and so innocent and they have demons in them that need to be delivered out of them through the power of Christ you really think these senators and these governors and these uh people in power and these elites don't have any demons in them come on now I mean, we've been talking about this show on the show for a while that there's a spiritual war going on. And when I'm over here having breakfast with my with my youth pastor and he's telling me what's been happening over this past. Dude, this was like last Saturday where my sister-in-law, Sharon, had the had the Holy Ghost. She was touching people and they were feeling the Holy Spirit like it was it's insane what's going on. And that's like in my little church, you know, what I mean, like imagine imagine what Christ is doing everywhere. Imagine what what God is doing everywhere. Imagine what the enemy's doing everywhere. Right. So. 
This isn't just a podcast, dude. This is a spiritual. It's it's a spiritual journey, dude. I'm telling you what I know. What's going on? Levitating off the ground, like, dude, for like an hour and a half too. So like having to be pushed down. All right, just saying. Okay, I got kind of hyped up there, but that's just because. Man, it's just it's just crazy what 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 you see when you're um when you're when you're willing to see it, you know. And uh, I wasn't there; I didn't get to personally see it. But uh, <laughs> I picked up my sister-in-law the night after it happened, and my or the night it happened, and my pastor was shook. Man, he was like he'd never seen anything like it before. Uh, we talked about it. He he definitely grew him in his faith, and uh, man, it's just it's wild. So. Not to put out, you know, their business and whatnot. I, don't, I mean, I don't think it's a bad thing at all. I think it's actually just, it's just one thing that you, you probably, you don't, you're not going to see that a lot in life, you know? And it's just, it's, it's crazy, man. But, uh, it happens, dude. It happens. And yeah, man, I want to experience that. I want to see some, some crazy stuff like that myself as far as, you know, I mean, I want the demons to get out of me. If I got some in me, yo, get them out, you know? So I'm going to try to, um, I'm going to try to go out there and levitate. Levitate, levitate, levitate. All right, let's keep going forward. Um, God's judgment on mankind and earth and his promise of redemption. This is so good. Like Satan, man lost his privilege to rule God's perfect environment. In a clear parallel to Lucifer's fallen judgment, Adam lost both his place in Eden and his authority in the God-given theocracy. Mankind, along with his earthly domain, was judged and cursed with disease, pain, and death. Isn't that the truth? However... In God's judgment on man for his sin, he included the marvelous provision of a savior. And he did it so early on. He talks about Christ coming in Genesis 3.15, y'all, who was promised to come through the seed of the woman. Born of a woman, he would crush the head of the serpent and solve the problem of sin by paying sin's consequence of death. Jesus Christ, my man. The promise included a way to satisfy the uh, judicial wrath of God that had to be poured out on sinful man. God's judgment would be borne by a substance sin bearer, the Lamb of God, Christ. In God's wise, gracious, and loving plan, he would send his holy son, his first and only holy son, born of a woman and in the likeness of man to pay the penalty for man's sin, John 3.16. With fantastic irony, I love this part. With fantastic irony, God's solution to the problem of sin and its curse of death would come through the woman, the same vessel used for the deception. With equal irony, the actual judgment of sin would be borne by her seed, a man, the second Adam, who would be identified with all the sins of Adam's race. Adam's race. This promised seed, Christ Jesus, would die, and his cross would become both eternal salvation for mankind and eternal condemnation for the devil. Satan, thinking he had gained a strategic victory in his quest for dominion on earth, was placed in check. Time would become a contest. Mankind's enemy would ever seek to remove the Savior, the one promised to crush the serpent's head. The promise of the coming seed that God made to Adam and Eve became the enduring hallmark of salvation to all who simply believe. And remember about that word salvation. You don't work for your salvation. You work from your salvation. Pastor Tommy Brandon. No matter what season of life, before, during, or after Christ's initial or second coming, eternal salvation has always been granted and will always be granted by faith alone in the promised seed of Jesus Christ. Remember, 
We don't work for our salvation. We work from our salvation. Because of our salvation, we put on for Jesus. Because of our salvation, we say no to sin. Because of our salvation, we raise our kids up in the word. Because of our salvation, we don't go with the culture. Because of our salvation, we speak our truth, and we don't bend for the culture. Man, born spiritually dead as a descendant of Adam, could now be reborn and receive spiritual life through faith in the substitute sin bearer, the promised seed, the second Adam. Upon the fall of Adam and Eve, God promised us a Savior, and he came, and his name is Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? Jesus is so dope. You know, as much as I, like, love God, bro, like, the reason I started this podcast was because I fell in love with Jesus. It is what it is. I got to know who God was because of my love for Jesus. And that's why I, that's why I talk about on the show, Jesus is dope. That's why I talk about uh, when I describe the show, it's about Jesus. It's about Jesus jokes in a little bit of country. You know, I could say it's about God, but Jesus was the one that got me, baby. You know, and he's, he's, he's the way we earn our salvation. And man, it's just the understanding that you have once you know Jesus. Oh, it's so good. Once you read all the New Testament, oh man, you want to read it again. Highly recommend it. And from Adam to Abraham, over 2,000 years, traces the lineage the lineage of this seed. And when we read about the flood, when we read about the Tower of Babel, and when we read about these stories, it kind of demonstrates Satan's attempts to gain worldwide dominion. And these two worldwide judgments would save mankind from Satan's dominion and at the same time preserve the seed of the woman. So remember when it says that God uses everything uh, that's evil and he uses it for good? Like Satan's plan during this was to basically take that, take on that world dominion. But hey, nah, baby. That same time he thought that that was going to go on, it was basically just preserving the seed of the woman, baby. Her name is Mary. And I just love so much how he used the same vessel that sin entered the world to basically use that same vessel, the woman, to basically give the seed of new life for us and forgiveness and redemption. And it's it's the greatest story ever told. It's the greatest story ever written. Uh, and I, I just want to read you something that Justin Bieber posted today uh, that really just was like made me happy that he's posting it. And I also just commented on it because I think there's a three part thing about this that I really want to share with you guys. He said in the main picture, he said, following Jesus is simply believing and receiving his forgiveness. It's not about following rules. Watch your relationship with Jesus change from a have to to a want to, which is very important to a want to. God only wants our best. He is trustworthy. And then he said in the comments, I believe our lives change when we trust that God really wants our best. It all really boils down to who we think God sees us. Or how we think God sees us. Well, God literally put on skin and bones and felt all the pain you and I do so he can truly understand. He has compassion for you and I and loved us at our worst. You don't have to get all cleaned up to go to him. He loves you as you are and you are forgiven, which is such a great thing that he's doing. He's bringing people to God. He's telling them that like, yo, man, we know you're a sinner, but that's what the power of Christ is. That's what coming to Christ is about. He forgives you for those sins. But also there's a part three to this that I that I commented on and I really wanted to add to that to you guys, my listeners, is that once we know him and we choose to live as he teaches us to live, our chains to sin are broken from his sacrifice. And once we accept him, we are renewed and we turn away from our sinful ways and seek his way because not because we have to, but because we want to, because we know that we know the sacrifice that Christ, he didn't. Here's the thing. 
he didn't die on a cross for us to be forgiven just to keep on sinning and like be cool with that. You know, he wants us to to follow his way. He wants us to do what he calls us to do. He we want he wants us to tell people about him. You know, we can't just go on with our lives and just be like, oh, yeah, I believe. And there therefore I'm saved and I'm still going to do all these selfish things that I want to do. I'm still going to watch pornography. I'm still going to get hammered. I'm still going to do uh, a bunch of drugs. I'm still going to party nonstop. I'm still going to curse. I'm still going to do all, you know, I'm still going to do all these things. I'm still going to cheat on my wife, you know, like doing all these things that you know you're not supposed to do when you have the biblical teachings right in front of you. No, 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 no. He, he broke those chains when we're born and we're baptized, which we're going to talk about baptism at the end of the show. When you're baptized, you're renewed. You know, you're, you might, you're on the path of Jesus. And if you fall off the path, which means like, Oh, if you sin, like I struggle with some things still, sometimes still, you fall off the path, you get right back on. You fall off the path, you get back on with the mindset of like, yo, I need to improve on this. Jesus help me when it comes to my sins of selfishness, self-control, not watching what I say, uh, this, this, and that. You know, everything that you struggle with is your sin. You know, we all have different things that we each individually struggle with. All right. So I just wanted to put that out there for you guys because, man, it's just so important. It's so powerful. And, uh, man, I think we just learned a lot in these last two episodes about the fall of Lucifer and the fall of man. And in order to get through this life as believers, I believe it is essential to see the the capabilities that the enemy has over this world. Remember, he is the God of this world and he wants as many people and as many souls as he can get to go down with him, which also means the more you put on for Jesus, the more he will attempt to attack you. And I've experienced it in my personal life a lot since starting this podcast. Attacks from fellow comedians, former friends, acquaintances, and just events that have taken place in my life from mindset to my thoughts, to obstacles that come in my way. And the devil will try and stop you doing more for the kingdom. Remember that. He doesn't want people saved. He doesn't want people coming to Christ. He wants the complete opposite. He's going to put obstacles in your way. And luckily, we are equipped with the God's word. We're equipped with the Bible. We're equipped with God's love and the armor of God. Listen to this. Ephesians 10 through 18 is so powerful. A final word. This is Paul writing. Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. Remember. The angelic realm is real, okay? And there's fallen angels and then there's there's good vibe angels, all right? Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you'll be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. When those obstacles come up, when that mindset, when those thoughts, when those friends get in your ear, when those people that are trying to steer you in the wrong direction. Then after the battle, you'll be standing firm. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the spirit at all times on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Don't just pray for you. Pray for me. Don't just pray for me. Pray for your leaders. Don't just pray for your leaders. Pray for the people that are your enemies that are struggling. Pray for people that haven't yet come to God that you're working on. You know, people at your job that you know they don't know God, but you're trying to, you know, hey, come through. (laughs) And I heard a few quotes at uh, my church that I really wanted to share with you guys. I feel like this episode is really jam-packed with a lot of good stuff in here. So hopefully you guys don't mind that I'm going a little long on this one. But uh, the quotes from my church. Here we go. Pastor Tommy Brandon, smart dude. 
He said, if you were the smartest person in your circle, you need a new circle. I like that. Keep the, keep the people around you that make you grow. Keep the people that make you think and mature as followers of Christ. Keep the people that like to talk about ideas, investing, and just growth, you know? And we talked about the importance of those friends on the last episode, especially the ones that you can call in a time of uh, spiritual attack from the enemy, right? And God's not, here's another quote that I heard, so good. God's not impressed by your performance. He's impressed by what you believe. And what you believe is the word of God, and we must strengthen our knowledge on that. We got to read the Jesus books, guys. We got to do it. We got to listen to worship music. We got to listen to the pods. We are the church. We got to reach people with who we are, not just what we do. Ooh, that's good. We got to we gotta reach people with who we are, not just what we do. All right? Because I can do the podcast, but if I'm super scummy to people, nobody's going to listen to the podcast. Nobody's going to come to Christ because they see the guy that does a podcast about Jesus is, is trash. And sometimes... That's the way I come off because I'm still, I still struggle. You know, I still, I'm like, dang, that dude's never going to listen because I was just a douche to him, you know? (sighs) That was real. I even said, even said a weird word on there. And if you're a teacher, who you are to those kids matter, man. If you're a nurse, who you are matters to those patients. If you're a waiter, Who you are matters to the people tipping you. And if you work at a call center, answer the phone with a little Jesus juice, baby. Just a little joy in your voice. How can I help you? What's good? You you were trying to get a new quote? Another quote that they said, when did you come to Christ? When was your moment? And I just wrote that down in my journal when I was at church on Sunday. Just, Just kind of think about it. You know, like think about, think about when you said, I believe. Think about what it was like. How did you feel? And are you still burning like you were when you first believed? And if you're not burning like you first were when you first believed, let's get back to that, baby. And if you have yet to be baptized, I highly recommend that you do because it's an outward expression on what's going on in the inside. If you publicly profess your faith, you'll be invited to less places than you already didn't want to go to. You'll lose friends that you were already kind of tired of talking to. And you'll discover what God has in store for your life like never before. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I hope you truly enjoyed it. Uh, My name is Zach Rippey, and this is the I Like Birds podcast. Check out Bevy Design Company in the episode notes. uh, If you want a design or uh, website design or your brand being rejuiced and refurbished by the powerful hands of Gina, who uh, actually just has taken the I Like Birds show to the next level, uh, be on the lookout for some news about the show. And yeah, definitely go give her a follow. And if you want to follow me, if this is your first time here, hey, please subscribe. I uh, hope you enjoyed it. Uh, you can hit me up on Instagram at ZachRippey23, uh, Z-A-C-H-R-I-P-P-E-Y 23. And hey, if you love the show, share the show. Come on, man. Can't do it by myself. All right. I appreciate it. I'll talk to you guys soon. I like chickens. <laughs>